Red Diamond Warrior, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 71 of the Red Diamond Courier. I'm here with you as always, Bob Chichinsky, here with my good, good friend, Dog Bark 24 We are finally back. I'm using my own PC here once again, although it still has problems. <laughs> it's okay. We're glad to be back, and we have a fun episode for you guys here this week. Dog, how you doing, my man? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. I guess the best way to say what we're doing this week is going over uh, some some different like questions and requests we got from a user on Twitter. Kind of covering some some stuff, maybe a little newer uh, players may not know, and uh, just going over some uh some little stuff right dog uh this is like kind of like a new player overview kind of going over uh a simple breakdown of like base game yeah that's a that's a good way to put it lots yeah. of lots of base game stuff just little stuff that might slip by for some new players yeah so that is our plan for the episode. We hope you guys enjoy it. We are glad to be here. And a specific shout out to our homie on Twitter who uh, who requested it. At Ease McDees, Ian McDonald. Thanks for stopping in and uh, having some questions for us, man. We're excited to build an episode around it. So, dogged. Why don't we get it started, as always, with all the crazy news that's been going on while we've been kind of in a little uh, hiatus there. All right, first up, we have that Battlegrounds are now a deathmatch only for the time being. This was added, like, two days ago for PC and just today on uh, Xbox. My personal feeling is that I feel like this might draw the more casual PvPers away. But then again, it could also draw in like more intense PVPers now that they know it's going to be deathmatch only. It's a guaranteed. Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, it could have been turning some people off the fact that they never even get deathmatch. I mean, we played like five rounds the other <laughs> night. Yeah, we didn't get a single one. one. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, some players just don't want to play those other games. But like, you know, there are players that do. One to two, just like at the other side of the spectrum. So it's going to yeah. be interesting. Yeah, my main concern is that this might lead to like increased battleground wait times, which that means more standing around doing nothing because you can't do anything because load screens are killer. Like they just kill your queue. Yeah, they just rip you right out. Yeah. Which... Yeah. I mean, more time for fishing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guess I gotta fish more often, but uh, I do hope, like you know, after this, that they at least make deathmatch game mode like forty or fifty percent because it does need to be higher. Like we shouldn't be playing ten games and not get a single uh deathmatch. 
Yeah, for real. I mean, the odds of that are way too high currently. You should be playing majority deathmatch, I would say, and the other ones trickled in there, not the other way around. Yeah. So I think that this is a good step, possibly. It's definitely going to be interesting seeing. Uh, yeah, I mean, in Battleground times, if you have less players... It could be more, but even if you have more players, it could be more as well because the system kind of bogs down and uh, takes a while to like create a, a match. So I don't know. I guess either way, battlegrounds are probably going to still be awesome because I love them. <laughs> Seems reasonable. So first up. Right off the bat, awesome, awesome thing that is coming. It may not be that big. Some of these things may not be that big for PC players who already had add-ons kind of help with some of this stuff, but for console players, it's crazy. And all these things on their own are pretty awesome still, regardless of how many add-ons you have. So Sky Shards will now show up on the map and compass when you are close to them. No more searching around aimlessly to try and uh, get every scratcher in the game like I have multiple times. So, yeah. Sky Shard's awesome. They deserve to be on the map. Um, it really just, it helps. It just makes life, you know, a little easier. And it's not just like the add-on where they're just there at all times right off the bat. You do have to go uh, travel around the world and get close to them, so... The uh, part of the zone guide that shows the sky shards, it will now like point you to the next one, probably the general area. Um, so that's pretty cool. And if you find a sky shard, it will automatically disappear from the map. You do have an option to keep it uh, like having shown up on the map for guild events and stuff if you want to just know exactly where the sky shards are etc even when you've already got them so yeah i think that's pretty freaking awesome and something that was long overdue and everyone really wanted it from the start and i could see why they didn't do it at the start but i think after all this time it's a it's a good thing to have yeah and uh the only thing with like the whole zone guide thing is i'm pretty sure you have to do like the entire zone story Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's pretty good. That's then. usually how it works. It's like you do the zone story, then you have to find like the different locations, and then it's like there's like a list, there's like a queue, you know. Yeah, it definitely does go in the order that it's listed. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have that uh, Dark Anchors will now show which one is active, like the Hero Star, like the Hero Storms and Geysers do already. And I forgot that they uh, did the geysers. I didn't realize that until today. But uh, I also thought of the hero storms. I thought like the entire hero storm turned red. It doesn't turn red. I don't know why I thought that, but just like little like activity markers, like the dragons had. So uh, okay, okay, yeah. If you're not paying attention, it's easy to miss. So fair enough. Better than nothing, I guess, but yeah, still uh, easy to miss. Yeah, so, but if you're looking, if you're looking to do them, you'll be able to find it. So, yeah, it's and that's like, really nice. Yeah, 
because especially um like getting all the dolmens the savior of Nurn title definitely one of my favorite ones and going to his own and having to just pick a random dolmen and hope it's the one that's up is always uh not necessarily annoying, but it can slightly slow you down when you have to do 16 zones. So <laughs> nice to and know where you just go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I counted Cyrodiil 5, 10, 15, 16. Yeah. And Cyrodiil's the big one. But to off topic, but Dolmens and Cyrodiil too, like they, you just walk up to it and it just pops up usually because no one is ever doing them. All right, so the next thing on the list of cool things coming, Guild Trader mail items are now going to be nearly instant. No more hopping zones to try and get your mail to come through after you buy something. It's going to be instant for containious, and I believe it's all mail. I don't know if it's Guild Trader mail specifically, but uh, that's probably the biggest, uh, you know, biggest concern is getting that stuff quick especially when like you're trying to buy something for like a battleground or a dungeon or trial and you want to get it and, like put it on immediately so yeah that's that's exciting yeah that's a uh, pretty i mean i i just hope hopefully it works on my you know original xbox which sometimes the game doesn't really run that good because my xbox is dying every day <laughs> Yeah, that that's a. <laughs> Alright, next up, uh, we're having three new mythics. It's uh, what this quarter, this next quarter. So they didn't really say what they were. I looked down on them on PTS, and I think two of them were interesting. So any of them possibly game breaking? I wouldn't. I don't think there any of them would be game breaking, but I don't know. No, uh, no freaking. Waiting kilts <laughs> or pale order rings on there? No, no. Okay, I do like that they keep adding mythics. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's also gonna be a summary screen for item collections, and you know, I just want to wish Bob some good luck farming all that solo arena, the monster shoulders, and serial gear, because I know Bob will want to get the hundred percent on it. Well, solo arena is gonna be easy now because the new, the new drop thing. Yeah, but that be easy. Monster shoulders still <laughs> screwed. Serial gear still very screwed. I feel like mansion arena is still like thirty minutes though, even on like yeah, Marvel, because yeah, they talk. They they talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> it's half talking, half fighting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do really like how they did that though, because it just gives you that sense of completion when it when you finally get it. I mean, they already had the little bars for like the each set, which I enjoyed filling, and I've only filled fully, I think, on like two. But yeah, if I ever got one bar full of like the entire uh, All Mary Dominion or whatever, I would be pretty pretty satisfied if i got all of them that would be definitely the goal but man just have one would be nice that's fair yeah i think so so for our next thing we have some more exciting freaking stuff this the next two are the big ones this is uh 
probably the bigger one of the two in my eyes. Dog is not so up on this as I am, but item collections will now take priority of what you don't have in dungeons, trials, and overland bosses, so you will be able to complete sets easier. So when you kill a boss in a dungeon, the game is going to look at all the possible sets it could drop, and it's going to look at all the sets you have and the pieces of those sets you have, and then it's going to eliminate those from the drop pool. So you are not going to get duplicates of things you've already gotten. There is now a finite amount of times you have to run things in order to um, attain the thing you want. And every time you complete a dungeon or kill a boss, you're moving one step closer to getting that item, lowering your RNG by that much. So non-curated things are monster shoulder boxes, chests, and trash NPC kills. Those are all still going to have the same RNG they did. And I know Dog, like, when I first told him about this, he's like, look, man, you could still end up having to run something 60 times to get the thing you want. It's like, yes, you could, possibly. But also, once you get down to those chances where it's like there's only, like, five to ten things, like, left possible to drop, your odds of getting that thing you want are, like, pretty... They're, like, getting higher every time. So, um, the system... I believe will work itself out, and I believe it will be probably the best thing they've ever done for ESO outside of one Tamriel, which I didn't even like that when they did it. And then look how it turned out. Look how wrong I was about that. And I'm actually excited for this one. So if this is game changing, it's gonna be like, whoo! Yeah, the monster shoulder box is being RNG, so kind of sucks. But uh. Then again, you know, on the bright side, they really haven't been coming out with, you know, amazing new monster sets that I've been like, I really want this. The last one I really wanted was a Valorg, and I got yeah. all three. So pretty yeah. sad. For real, it's monster sets have not been big for them lately. Plus with like the new mythic items, like monster sets are kind of going out, you know. Yeah, I think that's what what happened to They're like, okay, we have, you know, this new awesome thing. So these two-piece sets are not necessarily getting in the way now, but they're definitely... Uh, not everyone's running a monster set. <laughs> I'll say it that way, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right, next up we have the uh, Armory Station. That You can find this in the Crown Store, but it's free, so it'll be zero crowns. Uh, you have to manually save and load your character loadouts. I believe they said you have to, like, you have to save your character first. Otherwise, if you load it empty, you're going to have an empty character. It's just not sound fun. I mean, I already uh, redid respect my character once, you know, when a uh, quarter one happened on every character. Yeah, like, not, <laughs> not just one character. Okay. <laughs> every character. Every so. character is across different platforms. Yeah. This armory station will have skills for both bars, champion points, stars, and slotables. Uh, your attributes, your gear, your curse, whether it's like vamp or werewolf, and your outfit. So that might be your like outfit style, or that could be like your outfit, like your guild tabard, or maybe both. It could be both. The big thing here is that it also saves your quick slots, which is, you know, awesome for PvP. So freaking awesome. 
so tired of having to reset that entire wheel every time I want to get serious for Cyrodiil. Yeah. You can also assign some icons and names to each of your builds. So you can have like PvP, PvE, like Overland, Trial, that kind of stuff. Uh, this bypass all costs, so you don't have to pay like, you know, 100k gold each time, 10k gold or whatever it is. I have a lot so of Sky awesome as well. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some limitations. The first one is items must be in your inventory. That isn't too bad. Your yeah, minus... that's that's just like, of course. <laughs> yeah, like you can't like automatically pull them from your bank, which, whatever. Uh, the second one is uh, Mundus Stone isn't saved. That's not a big deal. I usually run the same Mundus Stone either way. I don't care that much about that much about perfecting it. Yeah, and so many people are in guilds now that have all the Mundus Stones there. So it's really like if. People have such easy access to them. It's not a big thing. Even though I don't really understand why they didn't do it. But, I mean, it is what it is. Only two build slots per character with a system. Uh, you can buy eight more in the crown store. That's kind of like the first, well, more like the negative limitation. But uh, the next one is you have to go to your house to do it. Which means if you're on your old next-gen console with uh, houses that the game can't handle, like Bob and my house, like we both have really, really overpowered houses, that means rolling the dice to see if you crash, which is not fun. Yeah, and it's like a very good chance that you might crash. I mean, honestly, the like, but we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, because, dog... There is a way around going to your house, right? Right. You can also get the armor assistant from the crown store, and it'll be just like a banker, but it has limitations. It can't be used in Cyrodiil or in Imperial City or Battlegrounds, which is kind of obvious. Like, you can't use your banker or assistant in those either. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing here is that you can't use it in vet trials or arenas, which I kind of get because they don't want you being like, all right, boss one you know, equip boss one gear or boss two, equip boss two gear. Yeah. I mean, like, at the same time, it's like, when they were introducing it, it, they made it seem like that was, like, the purpose of the entire thing. So it's like, wait, you want us to be able to switch for dungeons, but you're, like, quickly in dungeons or after dungeons? I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, uh, overall, I think the system is going to be awesome. Um, It's, like, weird to me a little bit that they have, like, all these caveats. I feel like that it's, like, a little bit, like, shoot themselves in the foot. Like, oh, here's this super awesome thing. And it's almost exactly the same as the outfit. Uh, thing it's like here's an awesome outfit system you get two slots per character so and you could buy more and it's like okay but like why like especially if they're gonna have an armory assistant it's probably gonna be like five thousand crowns each which is bordering 40 plus dollars from every person that buys it like <laughs> You couldn't have given us five slots each and called it a day? Like, uh, I mean, is what it is. 
Yeah, and, and each like yeah. upgrade will probably be like fifteen hundred crowns, which probably. is like on par with their other yeah. upgrades. Yeah, like a uh, character slot or outfit slot upgrades. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's just like weird. Like it, the whole like presentation of it was going so well too, and it's like all of a sudden it took a turn. Like oh, well now we're gonna talk about how it's. Like in the crown store, it's like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? But regardless, I'm excited for it. Um, I will certainly be the sucker that buys the armory system. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be cool. It's like a freaking upgraded dressing room, uh, add on. It's like 10 times better than dressing room because it does everything dressing room does plus everything you wish the dressing room did so i'm excited for it for sure yeah i have a uh, two overall thoughts uh the first one is uh this would be nice for people who like to like pvp and pve on the same character and have like two different loadouts for overworld and dungeons or trials so like for overworld and stuff i like to use my uh ring of the wild hunt and that means I'll probably have to buy like one of those upgrades. So I'd be like, all right, this is my PvP. This is my PvE. And this is my, I just want to run around really, really fast. Build. And then there was a question too that I saw that was like, if you buy a slot, is it for like, do you unlock a slot on your entire account of characters? Like all your characters now have a third slot? Or is it like I would hope so. character? Yeah, I know, right? So, uh, I, I would hope it's that. for every character. <laughs> I hope so too, my friend. <laughs> uh, my uh, second thing is like, really? You're going to add an armory assistant before you add a stable master assistant? Like, oh, we God, have a stable we master sign. Like, I need to have the stable master for the stable master sign for my house. They don't have an armory assistant uh, sign for the armory assistant. Like, I'm sure they will. <laughs> They're going to shove it right in your face, too. They're going to be like, yeah, you thought we didn't have a sign, huh? They probably will. Like, There's a sign now, only for you, dog. <laughs> and watch, it's going to be like the, in next week's luxury vendor. <laughs> <laughs> probably. No, it's maybe Stable Master Assistant. It's just too good for 2021. It'll come next year. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> all right so we also got a bit of a combat preview going on here for update 32 more and more stuff going on with proc sets um they're just trying to balance them still the interesting thing going on here and with this update is that the hard cap they're putting a hard cap on crit damage and crit healing of 125 percent why are they doing this, dog? All right, so they're doing this to prevent the power creep, which I uh, thought that that was a new CP system was for. Like, the new CP was supposed to be like, all right, like, you can't, like, go super crazy anymore. Like, there's, like, a maximum to your power unless they specifically add the non-slottable, like, your uh, passive uh, CP. And... That was also kind of the reason behind them adding only more slotables. So I don't, I don't really get how like putting a cap on, 
crit damage and crit healing uh, has like a power creep effect on it. It definitely like changes like the way people are gonna have to do builds and stuff, but I don't see the power creep aspect of it. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, people are hitting crazy crits, but not like the point of critting. <laughs> Put some more impen on people. I'm just kidding. So. We'll see how that goes. And speaking of crits, Proxets can now crit again, which we guess they weren't. <laughs> and uh, all item sets now give hybrid damage, and they also have the opportunity to crit. So, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Uh, you want to do this last one, Don? Yeah, so uh, now when wearing a set that deals a burst of damage within a four-second window, it will prevent any other use of these types of sets for one second. This is to deny the ability to layer multiple effects into single attacks, significant, significantly reducing burst potential. This rule set will be explained in further detail in the PTS patch notes. And keep in mind, we are open to adjusting this along the way. Now, that sounds awful because... Like, a lot of proc sets are, you would think, would be affected by this, but after I looked on the PTS, the main sets that are affected by this are Stormfist, uh, Krog, Viper Sting, and Hrothgar's Chill. And Hrothgar's Chills is just really OP right now in PvP, so I think that's, like, partially of a way that they're, like, kind of nerfing that set. But not yeah. really nerfing, but, like, toning it down. Yeah, a lot of those sets are pretty uh, meta, especially for PvP right now, and super annoying. So, yeah, find a way to break something, and they will nerf it. <laughs> yeah, a definitely an interesting way for them to go about it, and we'll have to see how uh, truly effective that is, and see if it also starts messing with other sets that you wouldn't really expect. Yeah, there's a few other sets, but I was like, I don't like. If I don't know what the set is, like I kind of assume that like I don't recognize it, so it's not that good. But right. Who knows? Maybe someone's like, "Man, you you missed this set, and this set's like really awesome." Like, all right. Well, if you're <laughs> that guy, we're sorry, <laughs> or girl, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that is gonna be wrap up our little explanation of what they went over for ESO live last week and talking about update 32 and stuff. Like we said, the PTS is live, the patch notes are out. Definitely go check them out. And uh, probably about a month or so, we'll have our next patch notes episode, which usually is much farther down the road. But uh, things are happening quickly this year in the Red Diamond Courier. So, we are through that. Lots of exciting stuff. And we're going to move right into our uh, PvP section. Talk about some serial scores real quick. And talk about these freaking insane proc sets, dog. Yeah, the new proc sets of Dark Conversions and Hrothgar Shields are uh, insanely powerful. That's why they're getting nerfed ne next update. Like, it's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> the pull from Dark Conversion seems to be a tad broken, as it's pulling people into it, even though they are not standing in the bad AoE that it's a part of. So that's obviously problematic, because you're, like, blocking or 
uh, rolling away and you're just running nearby and it pulls you in and explodes and kills you. Uh, this can also pull you off of your keep, so that's fun. Just being on oil and stuff or shooting a meat bag onto like their counter siege and you get pulled off the keep and fall to your death. That's oh my god. Yeah, that's fun. It's not fun. And yeah, that set is bad news. <laughs> and the other part that makes it broken is that you can't block it and you can't roll away from it. Your mid roll dodge, it'll pull you right to it. So it's just really overpowered. And it's not like getting stuck in quicksand. It's like it yanks <laughs> you into it from wherever you yeah, are. It's aggressive. So I hate it. It's so and powerful. It's, and it's even strong against like two people. Where it's supposed, it was supposed to be like designed to be strong against like six people, but it's strong yeah. against two people. And if they pair up with anyone, it's just <laughs> dropping AOEs and synergies on top of that. Oh my god, it's horrible. Yeah. So this is our uh, recommendation to go get it and use it before it gets nerfed, or just join the the hatred party of it with me and Don. <laughs> All right, dog. So let's hit some scores for the big old bad gray host campaign. PC Stadia, NA side of things, we have 24 days left on the PC Stadia side. And the scores starting for the NA, EP is barely leading, 19.1k. AD right behind him with 19k and Daggerfall unfortunately in last 18.5k still pretty fresh scores only about a week into the campaign and on the EU side of things AD has the lead at 21.1k EP and DC bringing up the rear but practically tied at 17.7k so uh yeah, AD and EP both uh, leading one so far. Let's see how things are going on Xbox dog. All right, for uh, Xbox NA, we have a uh, 12 days left in these campaigns, and we have EP in first with 62k, DC in second with 47k, and AD in last with 45k. And then for Xbox EU, we have DC in first with 63.6k, EP in second with 48.6k. And AD and last with 46.4k. So EP is definitely winning on Xbox NA. That's also kind of the EP server. DC's owning uh, Blackreach and AD's owning Ravenwatch. So it's a bit weird. Yeah, and both those uh, leaders there for NA and EU, pretty substantial lead. Yeah, you should see the lead on a blacker on Blackreach or Xbox NA. It's ridiculous. Oh god. I can imagine. So for PlayStation side of things, uh just like Xbox, twelve days left in their campaigns. For NA, we've got EP in the lead at seventy five K, A D behind them fifty nine K, and right behind them is the Daggerfall Covenant fifty eight 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 two. So once again, real close stuff there. Hopefully DC can at least get up in a second. Just as they are on the EU side of things, where EP also leads at 70k. DC in second, 64k. And all Mary Dominion in last, with 55k. So, unfortunately, a lot of EP leading this week. Like, whew, almost every campaign. DC is only leading one, AD is only leading one as well. So, 
That is going to take us right into our Robots Radio little break. As you all know, we are part of the Robots Radio podcast freaking network. Oh, so wildly popular. Robots Radio. And we love being a part of it. It gives us awesome opportunities to help you guys get cool stuff into your hands and uh, give us kickbacks from sponsors. And it also gives us the opportunity to spread around great, great shows, ones you may fall in love with, ones that may be your podcast, just like the one that you're about to hear. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart in their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of 2, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast, rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. All right. So, everything in the clear. Update 32 stuff, PvP stuff, all of it. Now, we have... Uh, we have some episodes still left for you guys. Not too much, but we do have, uh, as we were saying, these questions from our good friend over on Twitter to go over. And uh, how do you want to start this one off, Doug? All right. Well, let's, I wanted to start this off by going over some like basic stuff of the classes. And to start us off, we're going to be talking about like the roles. Pretty much every class can play as a healer, tank, or damage healer role. Some are slightly better than others because of like beneficial passives, but you just pretty pretty much pick a class that fits your play style the best, and that's the class that you can heal, tank, or be a damage damage healer. So it's really up to you. Yeah, and there are some that might be uh like take a little more thinking to work out, but uh, like a sork tank, you know, or a nightblade healer. But you could certainly do it and do it effectively at that. Yeah, especially the Nightblade healer. Like, those are the strongest in like PvP because they can just like cloak and then they just go away and you have to go focus somebody else and then they reappear and they start healing again. (laughs) So, speaking of Nightblades, let's talk a little about each class here and, uh, 
these guys, as we were saying, were this they're the sneaky ones, man. If you like playing the sneak class, this is definitely gonna be for you. If you've played and fought Nightblades and thought they were super annoying, uh maybe try it out and you might fall in love like I did the first time I played a Nightblade. Uh there's a lot of different things you could do with a Nightblade. As Dog was saying, we could talk all day about how you can heal, how you can tank. and uh, But the main thing with Nightblades you're going to see is definitely be DPS. Uh, lots of PvP going on. They're one of the best classes for uh, you know ganking people out there, waiting at bridges and gates and all that fun stuff. Um... They are also clearly the best for the Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood dailies because you can just sneak right on by. Very nice. And yeah, inherently they're a pretty powerful class. Yeah, they're also your typical stealth archer. They'll cloak and snipe at you. So. Oh yeah. All day with the bow. Alright, uh, next up we have the Dragonite class. Uh, this is kind of like a dragon and a knight mixed together. Like you have dragon scales, you have dragon blood. Uh, you, like whenever, whenever you use dragon blood, you uh, pretty much go all invisible like, and you have like a, like a heart, like it just shows your heart. And then dragon scales, well that just gives you dragon scales and it scales up your weapons too, or at least your shield. It's a pretty interesting class. You use uh, fire, it's like one move where you pretty much just breathe fire on people. Uh, nauseous breath that's one of the morphs aside from that this is probably like one of the be- best tanks that you can be because of the passives are just really strong for it whenever you use your ultimate you get your resources back and you heal yourself so yeah inherently i would agree it's probably the strongest tank done right yeah and then for the sorcerer the sorcerer is interesting it's uh it's very powerful and it can be done in so many different ways that's like re- really makes it interesting. You could be a summoner, you've got options to have up to two pets active at all times, plus a storm atro. Um, I mean, you know, you see people in PvP running around with uh, we call them like zoo builds because you got the storm atro, the two pets, a freaking daydroth from wearing the freaking maw uh monster set and yeah it's it's insane and it's super annoying to try and fight one dude in the midst of four freaking pets but they're not just good for being summoners they could also be very inherently powerful uh stamina builds for dps just crazy powerful uh that goes for pvp and pv and it's the same for magic if you don't want to do this summoning build you have so many other options um yeah i think that playing a sorcerer definitely uh almost may give people too many options they might just end up being like well sorcerer pet build but yeah you don't have to that's for sure yeah, Sorcerer also has a lot of like lightning themed oriented skills, so it's a very shocking class. Oh, yeah. All right, I next. Not in a while. <laughs> I know. All right, so next up we have the Warden class. 
this will give you like an animal companion bear and you have class abilities that revolve around plants and animals. So it's it works like for both like your uh, magicka or stamina. So so like your uh, different animals will have like different morphs for, for uh, magicka or stamina. Uh, a lot of your plant base is like your self heals and your like uh, other heals. So Warden can be a great healer and a good tank. So it's a really good class all around. Yeah, and it was the first uh, class to be added into the game as DLC. So, uh, almost last year, we have the Necromancer class, my freaking personal favorite. Uh, you you already know when you hear Necromancer, all the fun death and you know skeletons and everything you're going to be dealing with uh it's not a shade far from that in ESO for sure you're a typical necromancer um they could heal they can tank they have a very strong heal almost similar to the templar breath of life it's uh, very powerful it also gives uh, armor depending on how low the health was at first when it healed. So uh, they could be a tank very well as well. They have a great skill line for tanking. They have a great ultimate for tanking in uh, the Colossus, which is just fun to do anyways. Man, uh, I could go on about Necros all night, but yeah, they're a lot of fun to play. They definitely can be a little bit more uh, detail-oriented, I guess I could say, because of the corpse management. If you want to uh, use the class to its full ability, you definitely have to uh, be thinking about that. But I've found that for the most part, there's so many dead things everywhere. It's not too like centric on being focused on that. It just kind of happens on its own. But it helps to have an eye out for it, for sure. All right. And lastly, we have up the Templar. Uh, this is like a battle mage type class. You use uh, Atrix Spear and Sunlight Magic. So, yeah. Atrix Spear, is, that's going to be like your stun, your gap closer, your spammable, your shield. It's a pretty good class. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a really good uh, PvP tank. Like there's a, or there at least there used to be a blazing spear or like a blazing shield uh, tank build for PvP. It's really annoying to fight because the more people they hit with your shield, the more shield you, the more shield damage it does, and the more uh, shield you gain from it. So that was the thing for a little while. I don't know if it still is. Templars are great for solo play, and in my opinion, they're probably like the best healer because you have like your own purify. You have a uh, you know breath of life that Bob said that's like your burst heal. Yeah, it's a very powerful class. Um, probably the best healer I would say in the game, or most accessible for sure. And uh, yeah. Templars or don't play them because we have enough of them already. I'm just kidding. The Astro are a pretty solid tank outside of BBP. You just have to like figure out how to like use your uh, rune that uh, heals you whenever you stand in it. So, but uh, yeah, that's the Templar.
And that is going to cover all our classes. And uh, let's keep moving down the list here, dog. So as you're playing the game, every level that you go up, you're getting attribute points as well as skill points. Now, the attribute points are going to break down into three different allocations, stamina, health, and magicka. You get 64 total attribute points throughout the time that you level up to 50. And typically you're going to see people drop all of their 64 into one or the other magic or stamina, depending on what build and what way they want to go. But for uh, healers and tanks, sometimes it could be different. Definitely, certainly with tanks, it's going to be a little bit more uh, distributed. Would you agree with that, Don? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. What about you when you're tanking or healing? Do you just drop all 64 into magic still? Uh, for my Templar tank, I did. But uh, for my normal tank, I just put them all, I put them to all three until we have like a good health bar and I have like, a good magicka and stamina pool. Again, my Templar tank is a bit weirder because it's like only magicka use, so I didn't really have to worry about stamina that much. So, yeah. So, attributes, you can mess with them a lot. Uh, they give you a hundred each point, so it's not like you could do really get too crazy. And that's why dropping them all in one thing is usually the most effective way, but those are going to be uh, very important to pay attention to. As you level up, that's for sure. Just as important when you're leveling up, you also get skill points, which I don't even need to tell you how important those are. You get a lot of them while leveling when you hit, like, uh, you know, the big levels like 10, 20, etc. You tend to get like two or three. So that's nice. Uh, finding sky shards in the world, three sky shards is going to equal one skill point. And uh, typically there is 16 in Sky Shards in a region, so that's five skill points, give or take a region. If you do the DLC ones, it could be up to six, because there's 18 Sky Shards. The dungeon, any dungeon quest, that like a dungeon you queue for, and then you go in and do the quest, that will give you a skill point. And also, if you wander into a public dungeon and do the quote-unquote group event, which is usually just a boss that may have something you need to do to bring it out, or maybe a little stronger, but generally, you're going to be able to solo pretty easy. And when you complete that, it will also give you a skill point too. And there's one public uh, dungeon per region, so that's another 15 that you could go get by doing just the base game public dungeons group events so lots of ways to get skill points and you are going to need a lot of them in this game if you want to fully maximize everything your character can do not only as far as um, abilities passive and active but as far as uh, crafting and stuff too if you want to do any of that skill points are going to be at a premium yeah, the big thing with skill points is you have to get a lot for your uh, crafting skill trees, especially if you want, want to max them all out. So that's like well over 100 skill points. Yeah, it makes me sad just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next we're going to talk about 
some of the intricacies of the gear in this game. Some that uh, some beginners may not know so well. Uh, Dog, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so as far as like gear stuff go, you have like white armor sets. These are typically for your mages and magic users. And then on the contrary, you have like the medium, and that's typically for your swordsmen, bowmen, or just you know any stam users. But then lastly, you have heavy, and these are typically for tanks, although people in PvP will wear heavy armor to kind of negate damage. So you might find a heavy armor set that specializes in magic damage or physical damage, and you use that on your magical character or stamina character to get yourself some armor and that kind of stuff. And then, like, each, like, set will give you some bonuses. Some sets, you have, like, two-piece. That'll be, like, your monster set. There's a few three-piece sets. And then there's a lot of five-piece bonuses. Pretty much most DLCs come up with uh, five-piece uh, bonus sets. In fact, mainly all of them do. Many builds run with, like, two full five-piece sets and a monster set. Although more and more people are using a mythic item and they're putting a three-piece set in there as well. Uh, arena weapons like the Maelstrom staffs and the Dragon Star Arena bow are really good to use for like DPS characters to like get your DPS up. Yeah, lots of different uh, set level bonuses at this point. Lots of different ways you can mix up your builds because it used to be just you wear two five pieces and a monster piece, and that was pretty much every single build. But now lots of variation. So. Next, as far as the gear, we wanted to talk about enchantments and glyphs as such. So your head, chest, and leg pieces are going to be the big enchantment pieces. So especially if you're doing like PvP, these are good for using the tri-stack glyphs. I mean, if you're going to use tri-stack glyphs, I would definitely recommend using them on the bigger pieces because uh, clearly... If you use it on a piece that doesn't give you a lot, you're just like, I don't need to explain that one to you. So, yeah. Head, chest, legs. Those are the big ones. Gloves, shoes, and shoulders are medium enchantments, and the waist is a small one. Waist, all by its lonesome down there. All right. So, there are armor ratings. There's four different tiers. You have your first tier, which gives you the most, and that'll be your chest piece. Uh, your second tier will be your helm, shoulders, legs, and feet. Your third tier will be hands. And then the last one is your belt, and that'll give you the least amount. So, And what Dog's talking about here is like the literal overall armor rating of each piece. Like the potential of a belt is going to be the lowest possible potential of any piece that you're wearing. And what's important about that is that you could tell uh, if you want to run like five pieces of heavy and two pieces of light, or even vice versa, you could see which piece in particular is going to make the most or least impact of you dropping that uh, continuance of instead of going f seven heavy, you do two light. I mean, you could combat that with using the uh, lowest two which is going to make you lose the least possible amount of overall armor rating. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, I didn't... It took me a little while to 
grasp that concept and then i was like okay i got it i get it now but i still forget constantly <laughs> yeah the main thing that this kind of applies to is for uh, crafted sets because those give you the most option to like fiddle with what you want yeah yeah like when you're crafting and stuff especially for uh pvp builds yep so that is going to cover our uh little section on gear and all the intricacies of it. We got a few more little sections to go over. We wanted to talk expansions versus DLCs. Yeah, so expansions, these are the yearly chapters in quarter two that you have to buy outside of the game. So this is something you have to spend real money on. And then after a year, the previous expansion goes to the crown store. So you can buy that with crowns or you can unlock that or you can unlock the zone with ESO plus, or you still have to buy like the class with like crowns. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. So the expansion is the only actual thing that's not included with ESO plus when it first drops, um, which can be confusing for a lot of players. Like I have ESO plus. Why don't I have, you know, uh, like last year, Greymore came out, and there, why can't I go to freaking Skyrim? Uh, I have ESO Plus. It's like, well, it's part of the, the uh, it's not part of ESO Plus at first. It takes a year for that chapter. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people seem to get confused with that, but it's really just about the big chapter, the main one you hear about all year. That's going to be the one that is like, you have to purchase it outside, and you're not going to get access to it from any other way than directly purchasing it for at least a full year. Yeah, and uh, recently the nice thing about like the expansions is that if you're willing to wait a couple of months, they usually go on sale. Usually by the time uh... crap, what's that one Bethesda event called? QuakeCon. QuakeCon, yeah. Uh, they usually come on sale whenever a QuakeCon comes out, so if you're okay with waiting a couple of months to buy an expansion, then you can usually get it on sale then. I love that QuakeCon sale. All right, and then DLCs. These are the other three updates in a year. Usually there are two dungeon DLC packs and one small zone DLC. And these come with ESO Plus, or you can buy them with crowns if you don't have ESO Plus. So. Yeah. And... Uh... They've been doing that cadence for quite a while. Two dungeons, chapter, two dungeons, small zone. And apparently it's not going to change anytime soon. So, yes. uh, yeah, like it or don't, that's how it's going to be. I liked it at first. I think now it's probably use a refresh, but hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. So that is uh, where we're at on expansions versus DLC. That's the difference. That's the routine of the year for them. And now we are down to our last two sections. This one's a good one and an important one, though. So, Dogged, why don't you tell me and all these beautiful people, what are transmute crystals and how do we get them? All right, with transmute crystals, these are little crystals that you get from uh, doing all kinds of stuff in the game. Uh, you use them for the new, or I guess it's not really new anymore, but uh, uses for the item collections uh, set, where you go to the transmute station and like uh, 
guild hall or in a clockwork city but you normally go to somebody's house and you can either reconstruct gear or you can transmute gear into a different trait so if you have a chest plate and it's in like invigorating and you're like i don't want invigorating that's a garbage trait uh, you can be like all right i want divines or impen and you can transmute it that way or if you have like a lot of that piece and it's not gold golded out or anything you can actually just break that down and reconstruct your uh a new one put divines or impen or whatever you want on it and then upgrade it to gold with a it's a lot simpler than taking a green piece and upgrade upgrading it to gold because it, you don't have each it just automatically does it it doesn't you know it doesn't ask you each time yeah and uh for reconstructing an item in particular it can cost uh it can cost a lot but it can also cost a little depending on how much of that set you have unlocked whereas transmuting something just uh, getting a piece of gear and swapping the trade on it which is what transmuting is that costs a flat 50 every time so you could be strategic about it in your spending of your points as well because if you have a full set and it's only gonna cost you 30 to recreate something there's no point in transmuting that staff of spinners that you just got to nirnhone for 50 when you could just recreate a spinner's inferno staff with nirnhone in gold for 30. And yeah, like Dog said, uh, transmute stations, I know they can be a little hard to find, especially for new players. I would say uh, if you're not in a guild hall and you don't know someone who has one, uh, first off, hit us up, join our guild, because I have one, <laughs> and Dog has one on Xbox, so you're set. But also, you can always look them up on Google. There's definitely one in Clockwork City, because that's when it came out. But, and I'm not really too sure where a lot of other ones are in the base game because I've never really had to go to them. But they're out I don't there. Think there's any in the base oh, okay. game, just just in people's houses uh, outside of Clockwork. Okay, for sure. So why don't you tell us all how we get these magical transmute crystals? All right. Well, the best way to get transmute crystals is scoring 25k AP in any 30-day campaign. And wait until the end of the campaign to get a box of 50 transmute crystals. And this is usually about like anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour of PvP. It, and that, that's just if like you're in a campaign and your faction is just really dead and you're not doing anything. Like nothing's going on on the map, which is if that's usually happening, then you probably want to just get, get out of that campaign and do a different one because a different campaign probably has something going on yeah and then you can also open a rewards of the worthy which is once again from pvp uh once every 20 hours for a guaranteed drop of a box of transmutes and this box has anywhere from three to 25 transmutes in it so always seems to be three for me <laughs> yeah i've gotten a couple 25 and again, I've also had like 10 of the uncracked gold on geodes. So, yeah. Know. But uh, yeah. a hoarder. <laughs> I am a hoarder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I would definitely say the best way to get transmutes is through the PvP route. 
Although you can also get them through your first random daily dungeon on each character, your first uh, daily battleground completion, you have to get like first or second place. Uh, you get them through daily undaunted pledges, and you can also get them through weekly trial boxes. But the big one is definitely putting 25k on each character in the 30 day campaign, especially if you wait towards like the end of the month. Yeah, and uh, AP is alliance points, just uh, for anyone who doesn't know. And they are the currency you earn while playing PvP in Cyrodiil. And generally, taking a castle uh, is going to get you about 6,000. So it doesn't take too long. And if you hop in with a group or ride along with a Zerg, it will happen before you know it. Yeah. And then you also get rewards that they're worthy about every 20,000 alliance points. So yeah. theoretically, if you do it once, you should be able to be good for that month if you don't want to go in there again. And you should also be good for like opening up that rewards the worthy and getting, you know, that little box of transfer crystals right there. Yeah. So let's talk our last subject here. And it's a slightly interesting one, honestly. So. Is there any part of the housing system that affects regular gameplay, or is it just for looks? So, with the housing system, you can set up your own personal crafting area and have transmute station placed there. And, of course, with the coming of Update 32, it's going to be extra important because your armory is going to be in your house. So, right off the bat, you can place crafting stations and the all-important transmute station in your house. So uh, I'd say that is plus one already for... uh, It affects regular... uh, Like, it affects your ability to succeed easily, (laughs) I guess. One in that column. Yeah. And then your bigger guilds, they usually have a setup that has a trial dummy for DPS tests and... If you want to do anything PvE, they usually want you to hit a, like a 21 million health with like every buff in the game for a DPS test. And yeah, so guild halls usually have that. They also usually have every crafting set in the game for master writs that people will do. They usually also have every Mundus stone. Uh, they usually have you know basic crafting stations as well so you can just go there to craft and they also have a transmute station so so even if you can't set up like your own house uh you can also just use a guild hall or somebody else's guild house and that you're pretty much set up for life like yeah and there is no formal guild hall that you could set unfortunately you just gotta hop in a guild and uh Generally in their bio or something, but like this is person's house is the guild hall. So you'll go to the roster, click that person, and travel to their primary residence, and then boom, you're set. And that's another thing, like uh having target dummies and stuff, like it doesn't necessarily affect the regular game, but it affects how you play and it helps you be better. And uh if you don't have a house and you're not into housing, then you lose that potential, I guess. Yeah, and then aside from that, there are also achievements and titles you can get from housing. Usually you have to complete, like, you have to be, like, a Daggerfall hero, a Benar hero, Alamari hero, 
Yeah. So, and I mean, that's just getting them from housing, but also, if you want to buy houses with gold, generally you have to have uh, stuff like that completed, like Dog was saying. So, the uh, regular game also affects your ability to have a house and how good of a house you could have. Of course, you could sidestep all that by buying things with crowns, but is what it is. So, I would say overall, uh, like housing in general, just at its core no it does not affect the regular game you could get by the entire thing without ever doing housing or having a house even but it definitely gives you the opportunity to uh find room to grow and a chance to elevate your game i guess you could say and it just gives you a nice spot that you could go uh go chilling which I do constantly in ESO, I'm just chilling in my house. Yeah, I uh, I would chill in my house a lot more if uh, it didn't crash me when I when I read go in there. <laughs> I really like my house, and I really like all like the statues and stuff. And that's like statues like take a lot of like of the memory or whatever. So it just like it's too much. Yeah. Although I also have like four guaranteed statues, which uh, blow that's not helping. <laughs> Yeah, they blow green, they blow ice, they blow fire, they blow lightning. So that doesn't help either. You have like when that statue came out and it was like <laughs> T the Khajiit was putting like 50 of them in their house <laughs> jokingly and Dog like recreated that in real life. Not 50, it's only four. Yeah. Four well, for each color. <laughs> you can only actually do so much when they're 4,000 crowns of freaking pop. <laughs> All right, man. So that was an awesome episode. Great hanging out with you. I hope all of you listeners enjoyed it and uh, maybe you learned something. Maybe you didn't. Maybe we just reminded you about something that you had forgotten. Or maybe you just wanted to hang out with us while you play some Elder Scrolls. Thank you all the same for stopping by. Dog, why don't you tell the people where they could find us outside of the show? All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter of at Red Diamond Cast. You can find us in our Facebook on the Red Diamond Courier. You can find us in our ESO PC or Xbox field of Airs the Red Diamond, which you can join using the Robots Radio Discord found on robotsradio.net. And if you check our show notes, you'll find links to our sponsors, to our merch store, to uh, ESO-Hub, which has all the uh, good details about Update 32 and uh, other stuff we're talking about today. So definitely go there and check all that out. Plus, our music producer is on there as well. All kinds of good, fun stuff in the show notes. Plus, if you've got time and you leave us a review, just want you to know we will shout you the heck out to the stars as long as it's a five-star review with some words in there for us to read. So thank you guys so much for everything. And Dogged, where can they find you? All right, you can find me on Xbox, Twitter, and ESOPC, all of it, at DogBark24. And I also have a PSN, which is DogBark underscore 24, because apparently I can't use DogBark24, even though there's no DogBark24. So I'm having a little midlife crisis on a PlayStation right now. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get Bob Chinsky. I think I had to do Bob underscore... <laughs> or no i couldn't do bob chichinsky at all at first because it was getting mad that the first uh, part of chichinsky was chichis 
<laughs> I think it, I got it to work out in the end. So anyways, if you're looking for me, uh, Bob Chichinsky, anywhere and everywhere, Xbox, ESO, PC, Twitter, and Twitch. Thank you guys for hanging out. And uh, yeah, dog, that was a lot of fun. Can't wait till next week. Hopefully we are going to be right back into our regular flow of content and uh, episodes and all that fun stuff. So, once again, thank you guys for hanging out. And we will see you next freaking week. Have a good one. Yep, see ya. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey there, my name's Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of The DL, Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose.